0: Images of a burning and burnt Amazon recently captured the world's attention. Gray clouds of smoke smothered a thick green forest. Trees ablaze stood like mega matchsticks. Aerial photos of the aftermath showed landscapes of black, of emptiness. The politics, the business, the environmental questions burst onto the world stage. To get a glimpse of what it's all about take a trip to a cocoa farm in West Africa.
1: We work all over the world, and particularly in a cocoa space, you know, we see cocoa producers in Peru, and we see cocoa producers in West Africa. And if I were to show you two pictures, one from Peru and one from West Africa, you look at Peru and say, yeah, that makes sense. That looks like a really nice, lush environment to grow cocoa. If I showed you a picture of Cote d'Ivoire, you would ask, why are they planting cocoa in a desert that looks like sand? And it's because, you know, the West African region... Has seen such degradation of its ecosystem, they've lost 80 to 90% of its forests, that it's gone past that tipping point. You know, these ecosystems are not producing their own soil regeneration and fertility. They're not, they're, they're really prone to drought. They're really prone to flooding because they don't have that water table mitigation. They have basically no microclimate. They're fully exposed. You stand there and you feel the sun beating on you. You feel whatever weather event is happening, it's happening on you. There's no protection from trees. Um, it's, it's all very exposed. And so, you know, you're getting production yields in West Africa around between 200 and 500 kilograms of cocoa per hectare. When you see it in Peru, we're getting between 800 and 2,500 kilograms of cocoa per hectare. And it just demonstrates the value of that surrounding ecosystem to provide all that nutrient, the water cycling and the healthy environment to support cocoa. The challenge is that if we, if we don't protect, if these companies don't take a stand to say, this is fundamentally valuable to our business, to the livelihoods of our producers, et cetera, we don't protect it, we end up in a situation like West Africa in the future. And that's that's a very dangerous and scary thing to think about. And I think primarily from the perspective of the producers themselves. So this is a environmental justice and equity question as well. My name is Andrew Noborga and I'm the director of North America and UK for Pure Projet. Pure Projet is a B Corp that's based in Paris, but we have uh, projects and operations all over the world. Where we help companies um, to engage in positives and develop positive impact projects within the supply chain communities from which they source. Um, so if you're in food and beverage, if you're in textiles and you have um, sourcing of, of coffee or cocoa or vanilla or a fiber, uh, we go into those communities um, to engage them in discussions around how they interact with their ecosystems that surround them and that support their agricultural production and work with them to develop Uh, positive impact projects that affect both ecosystem restoration and livelihood development for those communities. Um, And I I get the pleasure of living in Canada. I love it here. And I um, lead the North American-UK team um, on all of these initiatives.
0: Pure Projet is an alter-eco partner in helping to make the San Francisco-based chocolate company's social and environmental enterprises in South America happen. Today, on Fodder, we look at how natural products industry players can save the Amazon, if it can be saved. This Escobona-powered episode is brought to you by our underwriters, 301 Inc., Gianuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, and Webstitch Capital.
1: Fundamentally, the Amazon is at a point continues to move towards what many people say is a tipping point that could happen and could have happened six months ago when we haven't seen all the signs yet or could happen in in five years from now where the, the resilience of the forest itself suffers by the fact that it has been, you know, created like Swiss cheese. You know, we basically remove the critical mass of the forest for it to be self-sustaining as a forest ecosystem. Um, you know, we do a lot of work with planting trees we also do a lot, a lot of work with conservation. And 70 to 80% in some cases of the nutrients in the Amazon, depending on which region of the Amazon you're in, and the water in the Amazon cycles in the above ground biomass. So think about that for a second. You know, we think of soil as the, the base of any agricultural system. In the Amazon, you have all of that nutrients, all of that water actually existing in the above ground biomass and cycling through the above ground biomass. And so when you remove those trees, you're basically leaving really nutrient-poor soils that don't have a really strong capacity to absorb water. It's actually not great agricultural land after, and this is a key point, after the burned biomass, so that the results of that slash and burn agriculture, after that first layer that's been burned to fertilize the soil has been used up in the agricultural system after a couple of years, you really end up with not a very lush or healthy ecosystem. It's it's really stark, I think, for people to see this, is that you always think of the Amazon as this really lush, vibrant ecosystem, but it's incredibly fragile. Um, And it's taken a really long time to get to the point of its existence. It's not something where you can cut down trees, remove it from a parcel, and then expect it to naturally regenerate quickly. Because you've actually reduced and, and, and removed a lot of the nutrients that would allow that ecosystem to regenerate quickly. Um, I actually had a professor my, when I was doing my master's, and he wrote a, a well-regarded paper on how the Amazon could actually switch to a desert. Uh, that there's some tipping point at which that would actually become the natural direction that it goes in once we've pushed it too far.
0: Those images, that fear, it spurred Alter Eco to action in late August. One of the first registered public benefit corporations, the company has a 10-year-old Amazon agroforestry program, but employees knew they needed to do more, especially with the heightened awareness the area was receiving. So the Amazon Alliance was born, and a September fundraising program launched to protect 3 million trees, or about 2,400 acres in four weeks. Alter Eco committed to protecting one tree per product sold in September. Brands including Gaia Herbs, Grove Collaborative, Bread Seriously, The Town Kitchen, All Good, and Thrive Market joined the alliance with various commitments of their own. Alter Eco's CEO Mike Forbes sees this concern and the rising effort as core to the company itself and as a start to something bigger.
2: It started, you know, everyone in the office started reading about the fires in the Amazon this summer, and and you've heard a lot of the statistics, a 90% increase in the number of fires estimates about 70 to 80,000 fires in the Amazon this summer. Um, what struck us is the tone around the news around it and, and just everyone. It, it sort of felt like everybody was a little hopeless. There was politics involved. It was hard to get aid in. And so this was something born of slack and email and just coffee conversations around, well, why don't we try something? Let's just move super quickly. Let's get other people involved let's know that the model we use is not going to be a perfect model, but it's something that's just going to get something started and that we can learn from and do even better. And I think sometimes in this war against climate change, it can feel hopeless, but people just forget the power of hustle and working together. And so we really wanted to bring that to this effort. We really do believe that as this, you know, as the, as the ball rolls down the hill, it does get bigger and gain force and strength and all that good stuff. So we're starting where we can. We're inviting others to join us. And we think as we learn and get better from this, the 5 million becomes 10 million, becomes 100 million, and we can grow from there. If you think about Alter Eco, it's founded on the concept of full circle sustainability. And Matt and Ned, who are our amazing founders, um, it's really important to them that everything we do is better for the people who make it better for the planet that provides it and also awesome for the people who ultimately eat it. And the Amazon is just a big part. Many of our products historically have been sourced from South America, be it cacao or quinoa. Um, And the Amazon is just vitally important to this ecosystem that's so important to the company. It is a, uh, it's the world's largest carbon sink. Some people, uh, some estimates say that 25% of the world's carbon is sort of cycled through the Amazon rainforest. And as we think about fighting global warming, what happens to the Amazon is really a very, very
0: important piece of that. The Emerging Amazon Alliance is an example of brands working together to implement change. Alter Eco contributes annually to a project in Peru that covers an area made up of 147 million trees. It is this region where the Amazon Alliance conservation will be applied. Efforts like this, even commitments as large as Alter Eco's ongoing efforts, Exemplify what's needed from the natural products industry at every step in the supply chain. And as products, and the messages they carry, make their way to consumers.
3: My name is Amarjit Sahota, and uh, I'm the founder and president of Kobe Intelligence. We do specialist research, consulting, and training on organic and sustainable product industries. We think business has a very important role to play, and... Um, Just stepping away from this argument, if you draw an analogy with, say, palm oil from Southeast Asia, uh, we've seen some very big commitments from companies like Unilever, companies like uh, Nestle, as well as chemical companies like BASF for sustainable palm oil. They've made commitments that they want to either 100% exclusively source sustainable palm oil, or they want to reduce the amount of conventional palm oil they use. So business has a very important role to play. Uh, one extreme example is here in the UK, Island, uh, which is not a very big supermarket chain, but they specialize in frozen food. And they've made a commitment to have no palm oil in any of their private label products. And that's a similar commitment from Lush in, terms, in the cosmetics industry. They said they will only use sustainable palm oil in their beauty products. So business has a very important role to play. Uh, we obviously haven't seen that same level of commitment for uh, products which are sourced from Brazil, but what we are seeing is retailers making these commitments in terms of sustainable sourcing and confirming that their sources are, are legitimate. It doesn't involve illegal logging or deforestation. And uh, an example is in Brazil. Uh, Carrefour, one of the big supermarkets, Um, They're using traceability software for their beef just to confirm to their customers that it has not come from areas which are associated with deforestation. So business has a very important role in terms of, um, one, guaranteeing the ingredients or the products are from a sustainable source, but secondly, in terms of traceability, and thirdly, to the extreme example, boycotting, where they can say, we're not going to force from that country or from that region.
0: Environmental concern brought the Amazon Alliance businesses and Pierre Perget together for this most recent effort. It is agricultural issues Pierre Pergé works on day in and day out. But these are human issues. That's what Andrew remembers at the end of the day.
1: I think one of the most tangible and, and things that you can feel that I think relate to the kind of things that we're talking about that I've experienced is Go to Peru where we have this project. Go and, you know, I've, I've, I've been in cocoa parcels with cocoa producers harvesting cocoa. It is hard work. It is really hard work. It's hard work to harvest it. It's hard work to plant the cocoa. It's hard work to keep the parcel in a healthy condition. And it's also hard work to make sure that you're making the right choices for that cocoa. That from the indicators that you have, whether it's data in some cases or whether it's just your feeling and your understanding of the environment around you as to what is going to affect your cocoa that year, it's really hard to be able to make those decisions. So the thing that I, that I love about our programs is so we go into these communities, we provide them with technical assistance and we provide them with understanding and ideas as to how to better manage their own livelihood through a vehicle of the environment. And you know we can go to a parcel that is full sun, that is a new parcel that we're going to engage in, and you stand there, and it's oppressively hot. The sun is beating down on you. It's quite dry, and I mean, I personally, I'm from Canada. I mean, we have negative forty degrees Celsius winters, and I'm standing there, and I think the the largest difference was it was negative forty in Toronto, it was plus thirty five in in and Peru where I was. It's a seventy degree difference Celsius. It's crazy. Um, and and I stood there and I said, look. I I think I would last an hour or two tops in these conditions, harvesting and working with this farm. You go to an agroforestry farm that we've planted with or one that is adjacent to the primary forest that we're protecting. And it's a completely different story. You could be there all day. It's cool. There's a little bit of a breeze. There's moisture in the air. um, And it's just a completely different experience. And I think showing producers that change and helping to elucidate the difference and why that difference exists in those two areas and seeing that kind of change on their face it's really the human component to me that is the most valuable and and the most rich of the experience that i've had and and we see this improve we see this with those that help to protect the forest and the opportunities we provide for them and their children we see it with the producers that are adjacent to the farm that Continue and continue to realize the value that that primary forest actually provides their production, and thus continue to grow their support for the primary forest conservation. Um, it's just this—it's—it's it's, uh, you know the look on their faces, the change that happens within them in terms of understanding and support, and that feeling of look—I've stood in a full sun cocoa parcel and I've stood in a full shade cocoa parcel, and it's—it's it's not a—it's not a small difference. It's a very stark difference, and so knowing that on a day-to-day basis that we as Pure Bourget are working with farmers and producers in more than 45 countries on these topics and pushing that change. It's the kind of thing that I go to bed
0: very happy about each night. It's the humanity that sticks with Andrew, but it's the human connection, human emotion, that business needs to make real change, Andrew says.
1: I think the thing that's really important for people to understand is that You have to have empathy in the system and that empathy can lead to decision making that all of us participate in. We are consumers, we are voters, we have families and we can empathize with those that have families that are causing this change. And I think the world needs more people who can understand where the challenges are and seek to address them with solutions that actually address some of those drivers. You know, the, the topic of saying we just have to stop, we do. We absolutely have to stop deforesting. But just saying that is not going to get you over the line. You have to say we have to stop. We have to be ambitious. And then you have to take a seat and say, okay, how can we be ambitious? What are the key actions that we can take that are going to get us past that goal? And that means fundamentally engaging stakeholders today that maybe don't understand how their, their own participation, what they need to do. And I'm not just talking about a farmer in Peru, I'm also talking about politicians in the US and Canada. You know, we are surrounded by actors that have an influence over the system. And it's upon us individually to make sure that our own voices are heard, that we educate ourselves, and that we support organizations, whether it be a brand, whether it be an NGO, whether it be a political group, that are trying to take those strides and move forward, helping the people that need to make better decisions, make better decisions, and fundamentally start to push us over that line of being successful.
0: Thank you for spending your time with us today. And thanks again to our underwriters, 301 Inc., Gianuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, and Webstitch Capital, the largest independent M&A and private placement advisory firm serving the healthy living consumer market. The company believes the future of food, will reflect a continued evolution of sustainability, improved packaging, local sourcing, and reduced energy consumption throughout the value chain. Whipstitch enables companies to use their innovation for good.